Well, this last week we read through the book of Romans. How was that for you? I mean, I, I, I hope you didn't rush through it. Um, I, I feel like Romans is one of those books. Uh, you know how we read through the Old Testament and, uh, and a lot of it's narrative, a lot of it's story. And so you should just kind of read through it like a story and don't make too much of the details. Like sometimes people make too much of Old Testament details when it's meant to be a narrative. You know, it's like, okay, why did David pick up five stones to slay Goliath? Well, the five mean, you no, know, she just picked up five rocks. Go on, keep reading. You know, like don't, don't like try to symbolize and overdo everything. You know, like why do you take a sling? Why do you take five? You only threw one. Don't worry about it. You know, just read it. It's, that wasn't the point of the story. The point was a little guy killed a giant. You know, it's, it's, it's just this God's calling, his anointing, move on. But then you get to a book like Romans, and Romans is not a book you're supposed to fly through. Okay? Like, it's, it's like every word feels like, oh, I want to meditate on it. Oh, there's another. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It should lead you to worship. And I, I was thinking, man, how in the world do I pick from the book of Romans what to teach today? Um, there's no way. I mean, this is all honesty. I would love to stay here like two hours right now and walk through the whole book of Romans with you. Maybe three, four hours, you know, and maybe we'll do that one night where it's just like, let's have Romans night. You know, why not? It's like, wait, movie night, I have Romans night, you know, and let's just go through because there's so much to soak in, right? And so I hope you've been taking it in. Um, a couple hours ago, I was, I was upstairs here just praying and begging God, because I'm going, God, I have loved studying Romans so much this week. I have loved my fellowship with you and my worship with you this week because of the book of Romans. And I don't know how to get everyone to just taste a little bit of what I've been tasting with you. Like, I just don't want to do anything except worship you, you know? I just want to sing to you all day. Like, I, I'm reading these truths again. It's like I've never read this book or something. And, and I'm just going, God, how do I do this? Because I'm scared. I'm going, God, I, this is huge. You're asking me to communicate this book to these people and how wonderful you are. And I'm going, God, I, please make sure I don't say what I want to say. Make sure I don't just say what the people want to hear. I, wanna, I just want to communicate this. Like this book is amazing. I hope that you, when you were alone, you're just reading through this book by yourself. That's what this church is built upon. See, on the one hand, we have elders to, to watch over false teaching, but at the same time, the idea is, no, I want everyone reading the Bible, you know, to guard against false teaching. And so it's not just, oh, these three guys are going to make sure we don't teach anything heretical. No, every single person in this room is going to make sure that we're theologically sound because we all read through the Bible together, and we're all studying this together. And um, so just know that I've been, I've been praying uh, for this time because I'm going, God, how in the world do I communicate everything I've felt from reading this book? And I will also say this. Feel free if at any point... Um, you know, I say something or I read a passage and you just you just want to close your eyes and worship God because of it. Just go for it. You know, I mean, sometimes we 
we, we, we can talk about him like he's not here, okay? You, you ever have uh, someone do that? Wouldn't that be weird if I just sat here and talked about Junior the whole time? And talked about, I remember, the, you remember when you were cooking, you know, at the, you know, like, and, and I'm just talking about Junior. Okay, there's this one time, this guy named Junior, okay, he was, that would just be weird. He's right here. And in the same way, I feel like church gatherings can be that way. And we forget that God says he's going to be with us. Jesus will be with us always, even to the end of the age. And so it's like, wow. When I speak, one of the first questions I ask myself is, am I more concerned about pleasing God or everyone else there? Because sometimes I picture God in the room, and I think, man, here's this being who is keeping me alive and could have my life end in the middle of this, and I would literally come into his presence, and I would face him, and I just think, God, okay, I want to please you more than anyone else there. I don't care if they hate me afterward. I don't care if they think this is stupid. I, I'm here for you. And a lot of times when I teach, I just think, okay, you're in the room, you're in the room. God, I want you to be honored by this. Don't, don't, don't let, I can't let anything come out of my mouth that would draw attention to me. It's, it's about you and your greatness. And so in the same way as you're listening to God's words, feel free, you know, and just to shut your eyes and go, so awesome you're so awesome you're so awesome you're you're amazing you're you're unreal did you really do that in in romans uh romans is the gospel it's the good news uh it's 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 paul's maybe most complete letter where he just details everything that god did for us and it's the good news and he says i'm not ashamed of this uh, romans 1 16 was actually the first verse that i memorized as a christian back when i was in high school um, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. He, he says, I'm not ashamed of this. And when you look at Paul's life, as we read in the book of Acts, he was clearly not ashamed of this good news. He was going everywhere, getting beat up, uh, you know, stoned, uh, whipped, shipwrecked, starving, you know, everything else all because he wanted to get this good news out, all because he believed this was so important. But the first thing he says about that good news in verse 18 of chapter 1, he says, the wrath of God. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all the ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. He says, you've got to understand that there's a God up there, and this God has a wrath that is against all of the ungodliness on this earth. Okay, I don't, I don't care what you were told. Okay, some of you guys grew up in a tradition that go, well, God wouldn't judge anyone. And that's why I'm saying, no, you read it. Read it. What does it say? Does it say God will never judge anyone? No, it says the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all the ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. God has every right to judge. In fact, he says in chapter 2, if you look at verse chapter 2, verse 4, do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. 
I know some of you hate this, but I'm not really saying this <laughs> to make you happy. I'm telling you, this is the way God is. God says, look, I've been kind to some of you. I've been patient with some of you. He goes, some of you in this room shouldn't even be alive. Don't you understand my kindness to you was to bring you to repentance? He goes, but if you don't turn to follow me after seeing everything I've done for you, he goes, you know what you're doing? You're storing up wrath for yourself. It's like I'm keeping track and I'm collecting it up. You're storing up wrath for the day of judgment. And that's, these are scary passages. I, I, in, 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 uh, in verse, uh, in chapter 3, verse 4, this, this is important. He says, let God be true, though everyone were a liar. You get that? Let God be true, though everyone were a liar. Hey, if everyone on planet Earth agrees on something and God disagrees, who wins? Yeah, it doesn't matter. See, we find so much comfort in, in numbers. Like, well, all, you know, everyone today is saying, you know, God's not a God of judgment. You know, nowadays, you, you know, and it's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the whole world agrees on that. I mean, if you continue reading, he says, Let God be true, though everyone were a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. But if our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? That God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? I speak in a human way. By no means. For then how could God judge the world? Okay, he starts off saying, hey, it doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter if the whole world thinks something. Let God be true, even though that makes everyone else a liar. Then he's saying, are you saying that, well, you know, it's really God's, you know, law and his righteousness. You know, that's, that's what shows our unrighteousness. So he can't really punish us. And he goes, are we really going to say that? He goes, no way. He goes, no way. God is free to judge. The passage that really hit me about this was in Romans 5. There were two words that he uses in Romans 5, verses 9 and 10. And I tried to dwell on this. I, I couldn't handle dwelling on it too long. But in Romans 5, verse 9, it says, Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, see that verse? For if while we were, what? Enemies. We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. I dwelt on that word. I dwelt on those two words, wrath and enemy. Okay, okay Chrissy read a verse from uh, Job 38 where God answers Job out of the whirlwind and says these words, brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you answer me. 
Because you got this all wrong. People on the earth are like, well, God, why would God, you know, make me like this and then say I can't live this way? Why would God, would, why, why this, why this? Because we think we're so brilliant. And God says, you know what? Brace yourself like a man. I'm about to ask you questions and you're going to answer me. That's intense. That means at the end of our lives, you know, I know a lot of you have questions for God, but the end of your life is not about God. I don't understand why you did that. The end of your life is about him saying, no, you know what? Actually, I'm the judge. And you just sit there and get ready for what I'm about to bring before you. And, and I picture that, that God, I, you know, upstairs, I mean, I'm, I'm welling up with tears by myself just going, God, I was your enemy. Like, I can't imagine. Okay, think about it. Just try to imagine. Try to imagine standing before God. Okay, this being sitting on his throne, lightning, thunder, fire, 100 million angels, and they're screaming out his holiness, and you're standing before him, and he sees you as his enemy. And says, now I'm going to pour out the wrath that I've been storing up for you. And I just sat up there going, God, I can't imagine being in that position. I can't imagine like being in your presence to face your judgment and your wrath. The Bible talks about in the same passage about his fury, his wrath, and him saying, brace yourself. crazy things in this passage. And I know you're going to hear the complete opposite the rest of the week. Everyone you work with, everyone in our city, and the majority of our nation. Come on, God's not like that. That's what I'm going. Read it for yourself. Read these words. But so-and-so said, so-and-so said, so-and-so says, well, let everyone say what they want to say. Because here's what God says. And if I ever tell you anything contrary from what's written, then forget about me. Don't listen to me anymore. But I was says in the last days, there's going to be so many false teachers, so people are going to walk away. So many people saying, come on, God doesn't have a wrath. God doesn't have a day of judgment. It's like, what, what, what Bible are you reading? But, but then here's the beautiful thing. Okay, what's natural Okay, what's natural for us when we hear, wait, so everyone's got to stand before God and God's going to judge them. The natural thing for all of us to do, I, I feel it in me, is you try to do something to fix that, right? You think, okay, well, I'm going to give more. I mean, in fact, we should take an offering right now. You know, like, ah, I'll give more. I'll do, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll serve more. You know, I'm going to stop swearing. I always want to stop swearing. I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop this. The pornography, it's done. I'm going to, you know, and that's all good. I hope you stop all of that. But it's, it's almost like we want to do this, do this, do this, because we want to fix it. That's the natural response. But what the Bible teaches Okay, and I want to make sure we're clear on this. In Romans chapter, chapter 4, well, first, Romans 3, because it's before 4. Romans 3, verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. 
For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Do you get that? Okay, he says the law. Okay, the law is there. God has his law. He has his commands. You know many of the commands, right? I don't know them all, but, but you know of, of the law. Most of you know the Ten Commandments. He goes, you know the law. And he says, and, and it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped. I love that phrase. God says, I have a law. I have rules. Just like a judge, right? A judge stands, and he's got the law behind him. He goes, look, I, you broke this, didn't you? You broke this law, didn't you? You broke this law. He says, this way you just shut your mouth. Because people just have a tendency to talk. You know, and so when the cop says, well, I clocked you going 80. You're like, oh, yeah. I mean, you just can't say anything. He goes, here's the law, 55. I don't know one time. Uh, never mind. Forget my sin. Okay. This is way back. Okay. But, but you know, the, I, I just remember, you know, I'm going, but I was going with the trial. I was going with the flow. And he goes, the flow was not going 95. And I'm, you know, I mean, there's just nothing I can say. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I was like 26. That was before we were married. Um, but, uh, but the whole point is once he, he showed me, look, here's what I clocked you at. Just like, oh, all right. In the same way, he says, that's what the law does. I'll start pointing to things in your life, God says, and I'll shut the whole world up. But here's his point in that. What is he saying? Verse 20 goes, by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. He goes, so, so yes, a judgment is coming, but the answer is not for you to go, okay, I'm going to live according to the law. I'm going to, I'm going to live that perfect life. I'm going to stop this. 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 Because he says, hey, give it up. He says, no one, no human being is going to be justified in his sight. And this, this, what scares me is this is what the whole world thinks. They go, well, I'm a good person. When I get there, I'm going to show them that I was a good person. When I get there, I'm going to show them that I did more good than bad. When I go there, I'm going to show him how much I gave. He's going to see in the bank account. I'm going to show him those times when I served in the church and how I had like perfect attendance. And the, you know, it's like... God says, no, no one's going to make it from that. What the law does is just shows you where you broke it over and over and over. So don't leave here tonight going, okay, I believe there's a judgment. Well, I'm going to get ready for it by doing this, 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 this. No, read the book of Romans. If you're going to do something, read the book of Romans. And look at what Romans says. You're not going to be justified. He's not going to say, okay, you made up for all the bad you did. You're not going to be justified by doing something and obeying the law. But he does offer us justification. Okay, the good news. This is, this is the good news that Paul was getting at. This is why Paul was going everywhere telling everyone about this. He goes, and this isn't, a new test this isn't just a New Testament thing. For them, he went back to Abraham because all the Jews revered, you know, revered Abraham. Everyone looked up to Abraham, and, and he explains. He goes, don't you understand that even Abraham, it wasn't because he, he did all of these things that God would count him as righteous. 
But he explains at the end of Romans chapter 4, in verse 20, he said, No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. He goes, what does the Bible say about Abraham? It says that he believed. He believed that God's promises were true. He believed. He, he said he had this unwavering belief. That, that's the word. He, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. He was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had commanded, what he had promised. And it says, and that's why his faith was counted. Like it was just, it was, a, it was like put into his account. You know, it's like if I, if I dropped $100,000 into your account today, you know, it's just like, boom, just placed it there. And that's, that's what God's saying. It's like righteousness. Abraham, you can't earn this. No human being can earn it. But I'm giving it to you. Why? Because you believe in my promises. And he says those words, those were spoken to Abraham, not just for him, but for us. Isn't that crazy? The whole point is he's saying, I can be on equal standing as Abraham. That's intense. God looking at Abraham and looking at me because of our belief. It's for us. It'll be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our sins and raised up for our justification. And let me just read chapter 5. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. You see that? We can be justified. But it's not by our works. It's not by obeying the law. We are justified, justified by faith. Just like Abraham going, you know what, God? I believe. I believe you actually had your son delivered over nailed to a cross to pay for my sins. I believe he rose from the dead. And he says, since we've been justified because of that belief, we have peace with God. So instead of being an enemy of God, I have peace with him now. That's amazing. That means if you killed me tonight and I stood before God, there's peace between him and I. 
And it's not him sitting on his throne, naming everything I did wrong, showing me by the law, shutting me up, and saying, I've been storing up my wrath for you. And now for all of eternity, you're going to pay for what you've done. He says, no, I loved you so much that I had my son pay for that. And you had an unwavering belief in that. And so you have been made justified by your faith. And now you have peace. And now you've obtained access by that faith into this grace in which you stand. It's not even just about the future. It's about right now I am standing in the grace of God. Like he's just showering his blessing on me and calling me his son right now. I was his enemy, ready for his wrath, and he did it all. And he says, the free, that's what grace is. He just puts it there. He just gives you that, and he gives you a righteousness, and you're not going to get it any other way. And so if you come in here thinking, oh, I'm a good person. I've done this. I've done this. I've done this. I haven't done this, and I haven't done that. Man, you are not going to find forgiveness. You're not going to be justified. You're not going to have peace with God. That's arrogance. You humble yourself and you accept his grace and you stand in his grace. And he says, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So now I can rejoice. I don't have to be worried about death. I don't have to be worried about standing before God, but I actually rejoice in the hope of the glory of God that one day I'm actually going to see him in all of his glory. I don't know if you look forward to this. Some of the women's home ladies were over the other night and we were just talking about hope and how sometimes it's hard to hope because so many people let you down that you always just expect the worst. This way you can't be let down, right? And you go, there, oh, this is going to be stupid. And you go, oh, it wasn't that bad. Oh, I'm happy now, right? Because you have low expectations. But the idea of hope, of uh, you know, that's fine to do with people because people are going to let you down. But when it comes to God's promises, we need to be people of hope. Like, oh, man, I rejoice. This is what makes me happy. It doesn't matter what. I mean, this is the stuff where he says, that's why you rejoice. I don't care if you lost your job this week. Okay, maybe you found out you had cancer this week. He goes, but it, it's, it's this joy where you rejoice and you go, man, even amidst it, even though that's difficult, man, I was God's enemy. Are you kidding me? I was going to face his wrath. I was going to stand before God as his enemy at the end of my life. And now I have peace with him all because I have faith in what his son did on the cross. And he goes, you rejoice in that. And you go, man, that means any day I'm going to stand before him and I'm going to share in his glory. I get to see him in all of his glory. And can you imagine, like, if we, as his temple, actually get to see him in all of his power, then all fear goes away because you're going, who's going to touch us? Look at him, and he's with me, and I'm at peace with him because of Jesus, because of Jesus, 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 everything Jesus did. I'm at peace with him. And it's like, I get to share in that glory. And he says, that's why we rejoice in the hope of that glory, of I get to stand in the presence of the glory of God, not as his enemy, but as his friend, at peace with him, reconciled, and he put his righteousness into my account, so I look perfect in God's eyes right now. 
all because of what Jesus did in the cross, on the cross. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. <laughs> we were in bad shape. It was horrifying. And now we've been reconciled by Jesus. That's why we don't ever want to make anything we do about anyone else other than Jesus. That's why when we gather together, whether it's here, in the park, in the rain, in homes, wherever, all that matters is Jesus, the name of Jesus is lifted up. And I hope that no matter what you're going through this week, you can still rejoice in the reconciliation Man, I've been preaching this book for almost 30 years. And I'm more excited about my salvation today than I've ever been. And I couldn't stop praising God this afternoon. Just saying, Jesus, are you kidding me? Enemy, wrath, and you did it all. I just want to worship you and give my life to you and turn away from anything that you hate. Give me forever looking at anything besides you and coveting anything on this earth because you're everything to me. You're all that I need, more than enough. 